You're listening to a Centro Church podcast. Hey, have you ever wondered what you would do if all of a sudden you got millions of dollars, just all of a sudden you hear like, boom, you know, like, I don't know, maybe some long lost uncle, you know, passed away or something and boom, a million dollars in your hand. Or I, I know that, you know, you probably wouldn't waste your time entering lotto or anything like that. But you know what I'm saying? Like just something happened and all of a sudden you found, you know, all there was multi millions of dollars in your bank account. What would you do? Have you ever, have you ever fantasized about that? You know, have you ever just, you know, for the heck of it, just sort of, oh, I love to do this. Uh, oh, I wonder if I'd do that. And uh, I'm sure not many of you have. I, I, I might have, but I'm sure no one else has. And, uh, and, and I wonder what it was that you sort of dreamt about, you fantasized about. I, I wonder if you thought, wow, you know, I'd get a yacht, you know, and I would cruise the Mediterranean or I'd uh, buy myself a mansion, you know, on a, uh, on a, on an escarpment overlooking the Pacific Ocean, or uh, oh, I wonder what it is that, that, that you would do if something like that happened and all of a sudden, boom, you're in this incredibly privileged position. Uh, of course, the broader question that you need to ask yourself, particularly if you're a Christian, is that if God's called you to this city and you know the occasion of, um, of millions of dollars in your bank account would take you out of this city, then, of course, you can rest assured it's never going to happen, is it? Because that's going to usher you out of God's will. And uh, what does God have for us? What does God want for you? And uh, I, I just wonder sometimes whether or not that kind of thing actually breaks down our ability to lead the life God's called us to live. I wonder if it needs to, though. Because because money actually matters. It matters a lot. You think about it all of the time. You check your uh, your statements. You check your balances. You check your budgets. Um, even Jesus uh, focused on it. Jesus on this on this particular occasion got his disciples together. In fact, it says in Mark twelve. So Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offering uh, were put and watched the crowd put their money in the temple treasury. Now, why did Jesus do that? Jesus was a busy guy. He only had three and a half years on this planet um, to perform all that he had to uh, perform, to communicate all the messages that would inevitably affect the world. There's no doubt Jesus Christ has been the most effectual individual that has ever lived. And so everything he did, only having three odd years to change the human race for the rest of its time on the planet, Obviously, everything he did was very specific, very planned, and uh, very purposeful. And it says this, Many rich people threw large amounts, but a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins. Jesus is wanting to make a point here for all eternity. A point about money. These rich dudes gave, you know, lots of gold. They, they, they were wealthy and this little widow woman of course very dangerous to be a widow lady uh in this culture no social security you know no pension basically uh if you had land if you didn't have land you had nothing it was all based on land ownership and um if you had no husband you had no status you, she this this woman was in a very very vulnerable position that's my point and the widow came and she puts in a couple of a couple of cents really it says small copper coins worth a few cents uh, calling his disciples together, Jesus wants to make a very profound point. He says this, 
I tell you the truth. I tell you this. This poor widow woman has put more into the treasury than all of the others. Now, does Jesus have a problem with accounting, right? Because Jesus not count. These other guys, they put in much gold. This widow woman put in a couple of cents. And yet Jesus says that amount was higher than the others. They gave out of their wealth, he explains, but she gave out of her poverty. She put in everything that she had to live on. Now, Jesus clearly counts differently to you and I. We tend to look at an amount and we go, well, that amount is more than this amount because it has more zeros because the number is higher. But Jesus doesn't look at money as you would look at money or as I might look at money. He doesn't consider money to be the, you know, the, the folding things in your purse. He doesn't consider money to be the, the, the numbers on your statements. He considers money to represent your life. And if you think about it, it does. If you think about it, this week, most of you in this room have spent some time exchanging your life for money. Uh, one person might earn a dollar an hour. One person might earn another, might earn a thousand dollars an hour. Well, if the person who earns a dollar an hour gives $2 and the person who earns $1,000 an hour gives $500, the second person's given half an hour of his life. The first person gave two hours, so they gave more. Jesus doesn't look at the amount, but he looks at what the sacrifice represents. And for this woman, the sacrifice represented her, all of her life. Whereas for those others, what they gave only represented a segment, a fraction, a portion of their life. Jesus goes on talking about how important money is and, and, and his expectation of what should occur with it in our life um, is, is represented to us by a parable he tells in Matthew 25, where he talks about uh, uh, a, a, a rich man, he says, the kingdom of God is like a, a wealthy man who goes on a journey. He says in verse 14, who calls his servants and, and he entrusts them with wealth. Uh, he gives to the first five bags of gold, to the second two bags of gold, and to the uh, other uh, he gives one bag of gold, each according to his ability. So these three guys, that each has a different administrative capacity. Uh, money ability and he gives to the guy with the most ability five bags of gold the next two and to the third one and then he goes on a long journey it says the man who received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work that's really important you note that he put his money to work he put his money to work and gained five bags more but also the one who got two bags he did the same, put his money to work, gained two bags more. The man who received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground and buried his master's money. Now, to give you some idea, some context around this, what this is kind of referring to, because a bag of gold probably means little to, to you, uh, experts or, or commentators say that the bag of gold, one bag of gold is probably worth about 15 years um, average salary. So to give you context, Let's just say the average person in Australia today, let's use round figures, earns 50 grand a year. 
So the one bag of gold was worth 15 times that. So around about 750K, around about three quarters of a million dollars. So the first guy was given five times that. So remember before I said, imagine someone gave you millions of dollars, what would you do with it? You know, would you go on a holiday? Would you, you know, uh, buy a yacht? <laughs> We're about to find out what Jesus would expect because that's what happened to this guy. This guy was given millions of dollars, right? Five times this, this, uh, this $750,000. So what does he do with it? He puts it to work. He puts it into the system. He gets it moving. He doesn't think about how he can, you know, prop up his own life. He does something productive with it. So with the guy who had two, but the guy who had one, boy, oh boy, he's about to be in trouble. Let's continue to read this. It says, after a long time, the master of those servants returned to settle the accounts with them. The man who received five bags of gold bought the other five, and, and the master said to him, uh, he said to his master, I said, so you entrusted me with the five bags and see, I've gained five more. His master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. He doesn't go, oh, wow, you're amazing. No, he says, well done, good and faithful servant. In other words, this was what I expected of you. You have done well. He says, now, I love this. The master replied, uh, you've been faithful with few things you know what I love about that you've been faithful in small things faithful in few things so he's doubled it so now he's got about five though no, he's got between seven and eight million dollars the master refers to eight million dollars as a small amount hey <laughs> isn't that cool <laughs> eight million dollars you've been faithful with small things can I suggest to you you know most of you are probably going what the seven eight million dollars that's a lot of money here's the truth it is and it isn't it is if you're thinking about yourself it isn't if you're thinking about building this place that we're in right now <laughs> if you want to build this place seven or eight million dollars probably wouldn't cut it today it would be small change if you had to build what we have here today you wouldn't do it for seven or eight million dollars you see we think it's a lot of money because we think about ourselves we think oh wow you know i could do a lot with that i could buy myself a yacht and sail the mediterranean i could go on a holiday for the rest of my life we think self right but if you don't think self if you think change the world if you think legacy and influence it's a small amount if you think hey, upgrade an experience. Hey, I could go on a shopping spree with $5 million. You could. <laughs> you could buy all kinds of things for yourself for that amount of money. But if you, if you think, as we spoke about two weeks ago, so we think upgrade an experience, right? But the kingdom thinks, the Jewish mindset is, is about influence and legacy. If you can recall from two weeks ago, if you think influence and legacy... It's not a huge amount of money. In fact, it's referred to here as a few things, small things. Because you've been faithful in small things, he says, I will make you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. 
The two guy with two bags comes and it's the same thing happens. He says, I trust you with two bags. Here, I've got you two more. Well done. Same thing. Uh, what I love about this is that there's no comparison. The guy with five bags, right? And the guy with two bags. The guy with two bags, you go, well, I've only got two bags. He's got five bags. He's got more than me. It's not fair. Life ain't fair. If you spend the rest of your life comparing what you have with somebody else, you're never going to succeed. You're never going to be any good in life. What you've got to do is take a hold of what you have and use what you have. It doesn't matter what she has. It doesn't matter what he has. What matters is what you have. And that you say, this is what I have. I'm going to use what I have, put it to work, push it forward. Okay. Then the man who received the one bag of gold. Uh-oh. <laughs> He came and he said, the master, I, I, uh, I knew you were hard, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered. Now, you can't do that. That's impossible. Right? I don't know who told him this. But this is what you do when you're trying to make an excuse to someone. You butter them up, don't you? Oh, I know you're a wonderful person. I know you're pretty incredible. So he's, he's trying to get on the right side of him because he's making an excuse. All right? And this is what happens when you make excuses. Don't make excuses because <laughs> he's buttering up, getting ready for, for, for this excuse. She, she said, um, I was afraid. And I went and hid your gold in the ground. So here it is. This is what belongs to you. This is what you gave me. I'm giving it back. And the master says, you wicked and lazy Servant. Now, what's so interesting about that is the term wicked is a moral, it's a moral word, right? I mean, is that wicked? He didn't steal it. He just put it in the ground. He just didn't reproduce it. God calls him wicked. You wicked and lazy servant. The master is God in the, in the story, by the way. So you know that I harvest where I didn't sow and, and gather where I hadn't scattered? Well, then you should have at least put my money on deposit with the bankers. How many know today that wouldn't do you much chop? <laughs> what do you get? <laughs> Almost 0%. <laughs> so that when I return, I would at least got some interest. So take the bag of gold from him. This is shocking. Shocking. The guy with got 10 bags. So what's he got there? He's got about $8 million. <laughs> take for this bloke who's just got, you know, this, this one bag and give it to the bloke who has 10. This is the loving, compassionate Jesus who looks after those, you know, who are, who are downtrodden, who, who, who are, who, who've got, had bad luck. This guy was given one bag, and he lost it to the guy who had 10. And then Jesus makes this really profound and important point. He says, for whoever has will be given more, and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from him throw the worthless servant outside in the darkness where there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth that's a pretty serious deal right there and, and, and I, I want to draw a couple of thoughts just before I, I finish um, from that story the first thought which is really important and, and I, I need you to understand this is that nothing increases magically nothing increases magically Right, This guy, he had to work it. I've got to tell you this. God is attracted to movement. Faith without works is dead. Right, Faith without movement is dead. 
You've got to give it a go. You've got to get out there. If you recall a, 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 um, a passage that we started with two weeks ago um, from Deuteronomy where the Bible uh, said that God said to the children of Israel, I have given you power to get wealth and now they're the wealthiest group of people on the planet. He didn't give them wealth. He gave them the power to get wealth. He made them resourceful. How many know that resourcefulness is more important than resources, right? Resourcefulness is more important than resources. You might say, I don't have a lot of resources. No, but you have an infinite amount of creativity. You have incredible resourcefulness. Ultimately, it's your resourcefulness and not your resources that will define you. How resourceful can you be? That's what God was saying to, to the nation of Israel. I have made you resourceful. I, I haven't given you stuff. I've given you the ability to work. I've given you the ability to create. I've given you the ability to dream. So go dream, create, and work, and create, and dream, and work, and watch me bless it. Do something for crying out loud. <laughs> You know, when, when um, you've all, most of you in this room would have heard of the, the great miracle where um, Jesus fed 5,000 people, or men, plus women and children, so maybe 20,000, with a few fish and a couple of loaves of bread, right? Well, let, let me tell you how that, how, I've said this before, if you've heard it before, bear with me because it's, it's worth it. Uh, it's worth hearing it again, it's that good. Uh, so so he, he's, got, he's got, you know, he's, he takes one of his disciples, says, disciple number one, here's a bit of bread for you, here's a bit of fish for you, now go and feed those thousand people over there in that section. So he's got this bit of bread and he's got this bit of fish. And he's gone, he says, here, you have a bit, you, you have a bit, here, you have a bit. He's thinking, how am I going to make it through to the next row, you know? It, 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 I'm not sure if this is going to last, but he just keeps working it. He just keeps working it. He just, and he thinks, man, all I've got left is this little bit of fish and this little bit of, bit, bit of bread. But as he keeps working, it, it doesn't run out. Now, when they get to the end of the whole, you know, feeding thing and, and, and everybody's fed, they take up baskets at the end. And, uh, and Kat said before, God's an extravagant God. And that's true because at the end, there were baskets left over. But what you've got to understand, right, is that the baskets weren't realized to the end. At the beginning and halfway through, it's am I going to make the next row? <laughs> right. I don't know that I'm going to make the next row. But at the end, there was an extravagance that was there all the time, but the disciples didn't know it. See, how many, how many of us get crippled by a fear of insufficiency in the moment? But when we get to the end, we're going to realize the extravagance that was ours all along. But we just have to keep working it. We have to keep working it. We have to realize. I, I read this interesting um, conclusion or stat during the week from the Barnard Institute. That might mean nothing to any of you. I don't know. But here, George Barnard's written a whole bunch of books. And he has this research institute, highly respected research institute in America where all stats, of course, exist. And uh, anyway, um, he, he, you know the divorce rate in the Christian church is the same as the divorce rate outside of the Christian church, right? You might have heard that. So there's no difference between the divorce in and out of the Christian church. Well, he, he did this survey to find out um, what sections of belief had the lowest uh, divorce rate. 
and you'll be shocked in what he found out he found out the group of people who who have a um a similar belief that have the lowest divorce rate are the atheists <laughs> i'll tell you why this was his conclusion why this is interesting he said because they don't think well you just have to stay with me because you're a christian <laughs> they don't pray oh god please save my marriage what they have to do is strategize and learn and treat one another because they've got no other god to rely on interesting isn't it their divorce rate was down at 28 percent, as opposed to um the pentecostal church that was at 50 percent. now that's tough for some people to swallow maybe but i thought that was so interesting because i reckon it's the same with money see here's the thing right before you switch out here's the thing i reckon sometimes our pr- we're, we're like the guy dying of lung cancer asking god to heal him as he takes another drawer on his windfield red god heal me of my lung cancer god heal me of my lung cancer god heal my marriage it's about time you got off your backside and did something you lazy god heal my marriage you know what i'm saying and yet we treat one another with contempt within the confines of that. Uh, I reckon, and, and his observation of the church was, right, that we just got, you know, because we think we, we you know, we, we've got this Christian faith, we can say, well, you can't leave because you're a Christian, so you have to do as you're told. And he said that attitude is a really bad attitude to have to think that a marriage is going to actually work. Now, I've taken that thought and I'm applying it to money because I reckon the same applies with money. We just think, oh, well, God, I just need money. Oh, God, I got this bill. God, help me with this bill. And we don't think, well, we don't have to be smart. We haven't got to work it. We haven't got to strategize it, right? God will supply my needs. And that is such a small-minded, self-centered approach to life. How about you being part of God's answer to the need of the nations? How about you being, being so blessed by God that it's not just about what you can or can't do and, oh, God, and, no, 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 you're not in that. You're up here where you're part of the answered prayer. But, but, and, and that's why I come back to the whole Jews, Jews versus Christians. I taught this a couple of weeks ago. The Jews see it like that, right? We, some, there are a bunch of Christians that have just been taught, you know, oh, well, just pray and God will meet your need. It's not about your need. It's about the need of the kingdom. It's about the need of the planet. And in that context, $7 million is a few things as Jesus is talking about in this parable. We've got to change the way we think from making it through next week to having an influence and a legacy on the planet. And to do that, you've got to work, folks. You can't compare. You've got to work. Now, listen, you've got to work when you feel sick. You've got to work when you feel tired. You've got to work when you're discouraged. You've just got to keep it going. You've just got to keep it going. I, I was listening to the, uh, the great sage Kevin Walters last week <laughs> speaking about his picks for the state of origin. He said this. I thought this was quite interesting. He said, um, if you're not carrying injury by halfway through the season, you're not trying. Everyone out there is carrying injury. Everyone out there is hurt. 
It's par for the... If you can't play hurt, then you can't play with the big boys. If you can't play... Oh, one bloke played with a broken jaw, my gosh. But anyway... (laughs) Now, if you're really sick, by, you know, by all means, get yourself fixed up. Come off the panic for a bit and get yourself better. But if you can't play discouraged, and if you can't play with a little bit hurt, then you're just not trying. See, what you're doing is you're like the guy with the one bag here. The way, you, you've just got an excuse. Oh, well, they didn't love me, and he just didn't do what I wanted him to do, and oh, this terrible thing happened, God, and oh, God, you just got to understand. I've got all these excuses. I've got to tell you something about excuses, folks. The greatest excuse, I think, is the excuse to settle down. The greatest excuse, I think, is, is, the, is to think somehow, you know, we can, we can um, weasel our way out of responsibility. This guy with the one bag, he had a responsibility to do something with his one bag. Now, you could look at it and go, well, it's not fair. He gets one bag, he gets five. There's nothing fair about life. There's nothing fair about the kingdom. You just got to accept that. You got to accept the fact that hurt and disappointment and, and, and is part of life. And you got to play through it. You got to rise up and keep going in the midst of it. Or you finish up burying in a hole somewhere and just waiting for Jesus to come back and look what happens to that kind of mindset. Folks, understand this excuses will shackle your future. Excuses will shackle your future. Everyone's got two, right? Like armpits, and both of them stink. <laughs> you heard of the, um, you heard of ten spies who went to spy in the promised land. God's taking these this this nomadic tribe of three million people through the desert, and He's about to give them this land that they're going to have to work. Interestingly, they're going to have to develop. And 10 spies went to spy it out. And this is what they said. But the people who live there are powerful. The cities are fortified and very large. We saw the descendants of Anak there. This was this group of giants. It's too big for us. And you know what? Everything they said was right. Everything they said was accurate. And what happened because of their accurate report? Are you ready for this? Three million people died in the desert. Three million people died short of where God wanted them to be because 10 people had an excuse that happened to be accurate but they rested on their excuses I don't know what your excuse is today I don't know what's happened to you today. I'm sure there's hurt. I'm sure there's pain. I'm sure there's rejection. I'm sure there's sorrow in your life. No doubt. Are you going to use it as an excuse? How many people will die because people rest on their excuses? I've got to tell you, folks, we've got to stop listening to the experts. You know, the experts said it was impossible for anybody to run the mile in four minutes. Because experts can only determine on what's history. They can't understand the future. Roger Bannister comes, runs the four-minute mile, the, the, uh, runs the mile in the sub-four minutes, and next thing you know, everyone's doing it. It was impossible. This guy made it possible. Then everybody can do it. I wonder, here's a thought for you. I wonder if it's possible for a church in Ipswich to break through 2,000 people. I've got to tell you, when one does it, 
everyone, not everyone, but many others will do it. But someone's going, I wonder if it's possible for one family to fill up a church. It's got to be possible, folks. You can't listen to people go, oh, you just live out at Ipswich, you know. Poor old Ipswich. I've got to tell you, folks, we've got to put our excuses and put them in a hole in the ground and stop listening to them and start to believe that all things are possible for those who believe. I know that bad things have happened to you. I know that. I know that you've been disappointed. So what? What are you going to do? Go and stand in the corner over there and just whinge into your coffee cup? Or are you going to say, no, hang on a minute. This is what I have. This is what I can do. I'm going to work what I have. I'm going to believe what I can do will make a difference. And I'm going to move forward. Now, listen, there are reasons, right? There are reasons why we are where we are. There are reasons why what's happened to you has happened to you. Did you know that? Out of the abundance of the heart, my friend, your life boundaries exist. And here's the thing. You need to understand the reasons. But we don't then say, okay, well, then that's the reason. We understand the reason so we can deal with it. I heard someone say this. I love this. Excuses are the skin of a reason stuffed with a lie. (laughs) I thought that was wonderful. Excuses are the skin of a reason stuffed with a lie. We can't take the promised land. Why? The cities are fortified. Why? The the enemy's too big. That's a reason. Let's stuff it with a lie. Therefore, our God is not able. That was the lie. Their observations were accurate. Their observations were true, but their belief was wrong. Yeah, you need to to, be reconnaissant and get the truth. But once you got that, remember who it is that we serve my belief is wrong i need to change my belief my expectations are no higher i need to change my expectations and then i need to move forward because the kingdom of god my friends there needs to be more young people raised up there need to be more church buildings built there needs to be more hospitals created there there, there needs to be so much more work to be done so much more work to be done for the kingdom of god and where is that going to come from how is that going to happen it's going to happen as the saints of God take what they have and start putting it out, start using it, start multiplying it. That's how it's going to happen. And you can have an excuse. Oh, well, I've only got one talent, just little old me. I don't have much. I don't have a lot to give. <laughs> you may not have a lot to give, but you have something to give. And that's the point. And you've got to give what you have. You've got to give what you have and it will multiply You've got to put out there what is yours and, it, and, and, and what happens next. You see here, joy and satisfaction come from doing this. Enter into the joy of your Lord, he says, to the two good and faithful servants. He, he, he said here, I'm going to give you more. You've taken what I've given you. You've proved yourself faithful. You've proved yourself good. Here's more for you. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Joy and satisfaction come from doing what God has called you to do. Don't ever just say, well, I don't have much. I just got two little copper coins. 
What difference is that going to make? The temple doesn't need them. God's kingdom doesn't need it. I need it. I'm going to starve without it. But goodness me, when the, those who count the offering at the end of that day, uh, when uh, Jesus was, was, was watching the, all that giving at the temple that day, those who count it, they're going to take those two little cents and just say, oh, what does that matter? We can't do anything with that. And yet Jesus said that was more than everything else. What you have is the most valuable thing of all. What you have is you. What you have is you. And how much of you can you give? You can give all of you. And that's how it's measured. That's how it's valued by God. God valued those two copper coins more than the gold of the rich because it represented more of the person. So you can sit there and you go, oh, well, what difference? I couldn't, I got to tell you, my friend. You give of yourself, that's what God multiplies. That's what gets God's attention. That's what moves heaven and I believe even moves earth. You've got to stop the comparison. You've got to stop thinking someone else can do it. Someone else will do it. I don't have much to give. I don't have a, 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 lot, a lot to offer. You've got, you have all you have to offer. What are you going to do with it? Is the question. That's where the joy is found. That's where the satisfaction flows. It's not equal giving. It's equal sacrifice. God measures the sacrifice. But let me tell you this. One of the things I note from that story that's so important, it's so important, is that the guy who was given five talents or five bags of gold because that was his level, that was his measure, he doubled the 10 and then God gave him more. What does that tell you? That tells you that his capacity grew. And here's my point. Your capacity will only grow when you challenge it. Your capacity will only grow when you challenge what your capacity is now. So you can determine what your capacity is. You can say, well, that's my, you know, that's my level. That's all I could do. I've got to tell you, you challenge that and you'll do more. You'll grow. You cannot grow without the challenge of your current capacity. If I want my biceps to grow, right, I've got to pick up a weight that challenges its current capacity. And I've got to bend that weight. And you know something? The actual growth of my bicep doesn't happen until I get to that sort of like number eight, number nine of the curl, when the muscles start to break down and I don't think I can do it another one, when I'm actually hitting the point of, 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 of no return to point of breakdown. That's where the increase happens. That's where your capacity grows. And I've got to tell you, folks, this city needs churches of greater capacity than they have right now. The kingdom of God in this city needs to be of greater capacity than it has been in the past. And that's only going to happen when those who constitute those bodies are prepared to challenge their capacity. In this, um, in this uh, context, you know, I, I, I got some very real um, challenge 
there as we take up our, um, our vision offering in, in two weeks' time. And what do we want to do? What is the vision? I'll tell you. If you want to come up here and have a look at this carpet that's kind of falling apart, it's 20 years old or whatever, it needs to be replaced. We want to replace the carpet. Get some, uh, we actually want to uh, modernize this thing a little bit. Well, what I want to do is um, I want to pull out that sound desk island right there so we can put more seats because we need to put seats further back and we can put it over there and take the roof off that. The reason it's not in there is because they can't hear because of the, 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 the second part of that. So I've got to, we've got to fix that up. What I want to do is I want to bring the platform back because I'm standing a long way from that back wall there. I could be standing back here. I could bring more seats up here. So we've increased our capacity for what is a relatively, you know, in, in the context of this, a very small amount of money, um, maybe fifty or sixty thousand dollars to to do all that, which is in the context of you know seven or eight million dollars, which you know is, is what buildings cost. It, it's it's not a lot of money, but it would actually increase the seating capacity of this room. And so the question is, what, how how are we going to do this? What how what will God speak to you? What will God say to you and say, you know something? I'm going to I'm 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 going to trust God. I'm going to take a step of faith. I'm going to give because I'm, I, I, I don't want to see the vision come about. The vision is clear. And, I, and I, any blind Freddy can see all that stuff needs to happen. Um, but uh, but I, want to, I want to challenge me. I want to challenge my capacity. It's not just that. You know. It's I want to challenge my capacity. I, 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 want, I want the good and faithful servant thing to be my portion. What's said to me on that day when I give an account for what he gave me. Because this is the kingdom. We will all give an account for what God has given us. I don't want to be the guy who hit it and said, oh, well, I didn't have enough, so I just hung in there. I want to be one who has legacy and influence and who hears the words, well done, good and faithful servant. Let's bow our heads and pray. Father, Lord, you know how this message lands and I can't um, comprehend the, uh, the position and the experience of everybody in the room, <clears throat> but you can. So God, I pray that you take this, this truth of your word, this message that you brought to this planet, to the heart of man, and that you would apply it, and that you would bring forth fruit, bring forth fruitfulness in the hearts and lives of men and women as they apply to their hand what they now know in their heart to be true. Lord, I pray for increase, not just over the men and women of this room. I pray for increase, Lord, over the corporate capability of the church, the increase over the influence of the kingdom in this city and beyond. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to this podcast.